on this episode of True Sex and Wild Love. We sit with the amazing, the inspiring Tiffany Dufu. She has been named one of 19 women who are leading the way. She's the CEO and founder of The Crew, which is a peer coaching service and community. And she talked to us about so many amazing things growing up in the Black church, for one thing, where she found her mission and how she sets her goals every day and how we can help in the fight against systemic racism. Yeah, she's one of the most inspiring people I feel like we've spoken to on this podcast, and I'm really excited for you guys to listen to it. Um, Check her out. She's the author of Drop the Ball, and check out the crew. Enjoy, you guys. Hello, Whitney. (laughs) Hey, Wednesday. Today we have a very special guest, someone Mm -hmm. who I can say without reservation has changed my life, has improved my life, and has improved the lives of so many women. Her name is Tiffany Dufu. Tiffany, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, Whitney, when I first met Tiffany, it was actually at a bar. Um, but, but she gave me one of the best um, intros that I've ever heard anybody give of herself to talk about who she is what she does and why she does it. Tiffany, could you tell us, please? Oh, of course. Um, You know, I always introduce myself by telling people that my life's work is advancing women and girls, that that's pretty much why I'm on the planet. So my life is fairly simple. I know what's on my tombstone, and I'm just kind of project managing my life (laughs) backwards. Uh, And right now, I feel really lucky that I get to execute that purpose as founder and CEO of the crew and for the next few minutes with the two of you. Yes. I love that. <laughs> I When I first met Tiffany Whitney, my thought was, this is a woman who knows what's going to be written on her tombstone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, she's, and that purpose is pulling her through life. And so naturally, what I wanted to know, Tiff, when I first met you is, where did that vision come from? How did Tiffany Dufu decide that this was her mission? I think that mission and purpose is simply a decision that's inspired by experience. Uh, If I was able to spend time with someone and do enough story mining, I think all of us could, you know, generate the experiences that ladder up to the decisions that we make about what matters most to us and where we really want to spend our time. The experience that most informs my commitment to advancing women and girls is related to my mother, who found out that she was pregnant with me when she was 19 years old. My parents uh, grew up in Watts, uh, LA, and during the mid-1970s, it was a rough place and it it was a rough time. Uh, Unfortunately, we're seeing, you know, elements of that time reverberating even today, um, which I find really fascinating in conversations um, with my dad in particular right now. But needless to say, my mom didn't know Mm -hmm. very much other than the environment she grew up in. Mm -hmm. But she knew there was another environment because she had an uncle who was an army recruiter and she would experience him come and go. And she basically went to him and said, hey, this guy that got me pregnant, I need him to marry me and I need him to join the army. 
so that we can get out of here. And I guess the uncle was big and foreboding enough that nine months later, I was born <laughs> at, Fort, at Fort Lewis Army Base in Tacoma, Washington. <laughs> um, oh, so, I forgot. Yeah, my parents uh, broke a really vicious cycle of poverty and addiction and violence in one generation based on uh, my mom's fortitude uh, in, in, in kind of encouraging my dad to make that decision. My dad went to college on the GI Bill. He eventually earned a PhD in theology. And I grew up as a preacher's daughter, uh, literally in a lovely house with a white picket fence around it, not really understanding um, the miracle of what you know my parents had accomplished. But uh, like many women, uh, my mother had decided to really prioritize her family. She was what I refer to as a non-paid working mom, uh, because all moms are working moms, but some oh, are yeah. compensated for their labor and some aren't. And what that meant was that when, or, or the manifestation of that eventually, was when my parents got divorced when I was 16. All of the social, economic, political capital that I thought was our families, although I obviously wouldn't have articulated it that way at 16, I realized was really only my father's because he was the one that had the college education. He was mm. the one who was the beacon in the community. He had the awards. He uh, had a livelihood because he was compensated for his labor outside of the home. And unfortunately, my mother spun back into that very vicious cycle of poverty and addiction and violence with her second husband after that divorce. So I spent most of my 20s trying to save my mom before it became very clear to me that you can't save someone else. Each and every one of us is the most powerful change agent in our own journey. And part of the reason why I know that is because I had a mother who every day would tell me, Tiffany, you're so smart and you're so beautiful. You're so loved. She would tell me that every day as mm. if she didn't tell me the day before. Um, wow. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's, you know, people hear that and they say, oh, it's really beautiful. But trust me, when you're 14 years old and all you want are bigger boobs, like, <laughs> it's not. It's, not, it's, it's like, like, mom, you're lying. Whatever, whatever. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but now it's, it's been such a gift to me. And so, you know, each day when I wake up, I think in honor of my mom, who I couldn't save, but who gave me this incredible gift, what woman can I get to today? How can I whisper in her ear? You are so smart. You are so beautiful. You are so loved. Because I'm pretty certain that if deep down inside every woman knew that, she would be able to realize her own potential. And, and that's, that's what I'm here for. My tombstone says, by the way, she got to as many women as she could. What a mission. What and what a story about how, you know, your mother in a big way set you on this course and then you had to stop trying to save her. Oh, it's absolutely. very it's very profound. And yeah, very much so. It really is is so incredible also that your mom recognized early on the value of telling a young black girl, her value. That's it. That's it. Right. And I think that part of the, the struggle and the heartbreak is that there are, there are so many black women who whisper that to their daughters. And yet when the outside world doesn't recognize that, is not whispering that to her, when we have systems of oppression and we have institutions and organizations that are really deeply rooted in 
racism and in white male patriarchy. And she has to confront that despite being told you're smart and you're beautiful and you're loved. Um, it really does evoke a sense of rage. And it really, uh, I, I'm, I'm so heartbroken by this moment. And then in this other way, I'm so grateful for this moment you know, simultaneously that we're all, that we're all living in. Um, but yes, uh, many, many black mothers, not just mine, spend quite a bit of time uh, knowing the world that our daughters will enter, uh, really trying to affirm, you know, their identity. And is this, is this story is, I think is just so beautiful and so powerful. Um, is this one of the reasons why you started the crew? Oh, absolutely. You know, part of the reason, um, part of my own journey involves being the cumulative investment of a lot of people um, who have basically poured themselves into me. And I would consider Wednesday, you know, one of those people. Uh, You know, I met Wednesday. She helped me to promote my book. Um, She's introduced me to incredible people. She's giving me this platform right here by being a guest, you know, on, uh, on your podcast. And I recognize the value of peer mentorship. By the way, she's also a part of my crew. She's someone who holds me accountable for my proudly, proudly part of your crew. She really, Mm -hmm. she really does. You know, she sends me the text message. Wow, uh, you really need to take care of yourself um, in a way that's really powerful for me. But I recognize that not every woman is as fortunate you know, to have Wednesday Martin (laughs) in their, in their life. And what happened was that I had a particular moment in January of 2018. I've had several that have led up to the crew, but I think one of the ones that really crystallized what I needed to do was I was meeting with a woman. I pretty much say yes to every woman that reaches out to me. Which is, I got, I got to interject right here. Tiffany, Whitney, aside from you, Whitney, Tiffany has more energy than any human being I know. <laughs> and that she's being on the show right now, especially in this taxing, traumatizing, exhausting moment, is so Tiffany Dufu. <laughs> Just the never ending energy that when I first met Tiffany, I thought she was radiating and pulsing ambition and mission and energy, and it has never stopped. Please go back to that moment in 2018, but I have to say about you. (laughs) I want people to know who they're listening to and they're starting to really hear it, but they needed to know that. (laughs) Well, I, part of that energy, I I devote into just connecting with women. So I I used to, up until recently, I would meet women every Tuesday and Thursday at 9, 10, and 11. I mean, you could reach out to me on LinkedIn and say, let's connect. And I'm like, sure. Um, And in January of 2018, I was meeting with a woman who had read my book, dropped the ball, and she was overwhelmed and she was just coming to get some clarity. And I had gotten to a point where I would give people this pep talk about how they needed to find their crew because I have a crew of women who hold me accountable and support me. And, you know, for the most part, women would say, oh, that's so amazing. And they would go on their way. But this woman, I don't know if you've ever had a time when you were communicating with someone in person and you could tell from their body language that they just were not feeling you. (laughs) But it was one of those moments uh, (laughs) where I was like, wow, she doesn't seem to be into my pep talk about how she needs to find her crew. And I stopped and asked, is everything okay? And thankfully she said, no, it's not okay. Uh, She said, Tiffany, Mm. I understand this idea of having a crew um, and having a circle of of women who can support you. I think it's amazing that you have people like Wednesday Martin (laughs) in your life. And I believe that if I had a crew, it would help me to move my life forward faster. 
But mm. uh, by the time I figure out how to get access to the event mm. or the conference or the cocktail party, and then awkwardly introduce myself to a bunch of strangers, collect yeah. all of the business cards that are probably going to sit in the bottom of my bag or my desk drawer, uh, somehow take those out schedule the coffees and the teas and the lunches. By the way, I had to take time off of my job to meet you at the wing at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday. Right. And then, and then somehow I'm supposed to have all of these events, then figure out who I might be compatible with and who can support me. And then you want me to curate a group of 10 of these people <laughs> and then host quarterly gatherings where we put forth our ambition and figure out how we're going to help her. Uh, Tiffany, I'm exhausted. Just, Just like Tiffany. I need you to do that with all your energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, I, I'm exhausted. She says, I have a full time job. I have three kids. I have a mom with a diagnosis. I have a dog. I have a commute. I, I don't have the bandwidth for what you're describing. I think it's easy for you to say that because you're meeting with, you know, six, seven women a week uh, in this beautiful pink place. But that's just that's the wing. That, yeah, yeah that, that, that's not my that's not my life. And that moment was what I call a Tiffany's epiphany. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Some people call them aha moments where I realized, oh my God, holy shit. If my life's work really is advancing women and girls, I need to stop preaching to women about how they need to find their crew and I need to just find the crew for them. Oh, this is such a powerful moment that you had that has had this ripple effect for hundreds and hundreds of women across the country. Can you just take a minute here and tell us our listeners who don't know exactly what the crew is because they need it? Yes. So it's it's amazing. You basically can go to thecrew.com and it's spelled C-R-U. Just go to thecrew.com and you can read about our, our model and, and our mission, um, but you click apply. And you give us information about you, your demographics, your goals, what you feel are the barriers to your goals. And then we match you with nine women who become your crew uh, and they help you to achieve your goals. You have to be really clear about your goals. We help you get clear about them, but you literally upload, we call goals intentions in the crew. You upload them into our portal along with actions against them and your crew can see your intentions and your actions. And they're holding you accountable digitally, but you also meet regularly in what we call gatherings. They're fairly structured. We teach you how to crew coach one another to success. And I'm so, I'm probably most proud of the fact that we have women realizing their intentions in a way that they couldn't have before, not because they weren't smart enough, not because they don't know how to achieve goals, but because they didn't have a group of nine other women just whispering in their ear, you know, and, and really encouraging them the way Wednesday does for me. Uh, and I'm really excited about what we've built. Uh, I'm really proud of the fact that it is a, it's a diverse community. Um, I believe that it's so important that, you know, your crew includes women that have different backgrounds, different values. I think that part of the challenge of the moment that we're in right now is that we spend so much time with people who think the way we do, who believe the way we do, who have the mm. same experiences as we do. We're all living in these eco chambers. And honestly, I'm trying to build a new social category where people who come from very different places, might have very different perspectives, can come together united, not on 
not necessarily with a political agenda, but with one agenda of helping each and every member of what we call the constellation to really realize her true potential and her purpose. And having, like you said, the crew um, to help you with that, I feel like it's just, God, that would be so beneficial because I hear it from so many women um, that they don't have their you know, their people, their crew, their sisters, they don't have anyone nearby that they feel like they can really come to or talk to. And I think exactly what you said by having groups that are different in so many ways that only can spark creativity, shift your perspective and really just open your mind to this whole new world at the same time, while you're doing, you're accomplishing what you want to do. You're finding your passion and you're you're working towards your mission. I just, this is absolutely amazing. (laughs) Isn't it great, the idea that in a busy, disconnected world, um, there is this resource? And this is what I love about Tiffany's mind. Tiffany, you're so tuned into, okay, what are women's needs right now? And, you know, on this podcast, we talk a lot about sex and relationships, but Whitney and I often say to each other, we need to do more talk about friendship, female friendship, mentorship, and support. And so this is what I love about the crew to the point of the woman who came to you and said, I don't have the time to do all this. Um, You're doing it for us. Can you tell us a little bit about the process of curating the women and deciding that this would be a good match? Because from what I understand, you have been really successful at this. These women have blossomed in each other's company with each other's professional support. I imagine right now during this context um, where there's so much trauma about systemic racism, I imagine women are finding support in each other in this particular moment, I imagine they found support during quarantining and isolation for a lot of us. And I imagine they also find professional support from each other, just to name a few things. How, what, how do you decide which women belong together? And is part of it, um, I mean, I think part of it must be an algorithm, but I have to say, I feel like part of it is you and your sense of these women. And just to take a moment from the podcast, I wanted to talk to you guys about our new sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Now they're doing testosterone tests where I find this really easy because it's uncomplicated. They can send it directly to your door. It's in discreet packaging so nobody knows. You can collect your sample, you get to review your results. And then from there, a nurse will contact you for a consultation over the phone and you get a prescription if you need. So what's really great about this is that you're able to check where your hormones are at. And I know for a lot of us out there, including women, it's really great to know where your testosterone levels are and for men as well. The first test that you get is your free testosterone and that's the first biomarker that they test for. And why you wanna know this is because your body uses it to produce sperm, maintain a healthy sex drive, maintain muscle strength and mass and produce red blood cells which is absolutely important. So you guys, check them out. Get your testosterone checked. Super easy. Don't have to go to the doctor. Plus, we're quarantined right now. So you need to stay home. This is a really easy way to do it. Head over to www.trylgc.com slash wildlove. I'll say that again for you. It's www.trylgc.com slash wildlove. And you get to save 20% off. 
Yes. So I think the first thing I would say is people build algorithms. Okay. Algorithms are informed by decisions that human beings make. I am not a technologist. I can't write one line of code, but I was the architect of this algorithm. Um, And I believe firmly in the power of diversity. So the algorithm that does the initial matching prioritizes diversity. uh, And it starts with the aspects Mm -hmm. of our identity that have the least number of options, which for women is, does she have a dependent, you know, or, or dependent, Mm -hmm. yes or no. And it flows down into um, the aspects of our applicant's identities that have the most number of options, which is what industry um, does she belong to, or does she identify with? And so in an ideal crew, half of the women have dependents, half don't. Um, We have women of African descent. We have women of Asian descent, of Hispanic descent. We have white women. So um, in that way, it's very textured. I think part of the other reason why the crew works has to do with the matching, but also has to do with defining the social category and in some ways disrupting the way that women are socially conditioned to engage with one another so that they understand the intentionality of what they're there to do. So a good example of that is during what we call the inception gathering, where you meet the members of your crew. It's my favorite event. It's like very Mm. inspiring because they're looking forward to meeting one another. We're very explicit about the difference between friendship and crewship. You know, and we say to our members that their relationship with their crew members will be different from friendship because friendship is often rooted in commonality, history, intimacy, shared values, whereas crew Mm -hmm. relationships are rooted in intentionality and accountability and commitment. So if you become friends with one or more members of your crew, that's beautiful, but friendship is actually not required in order Mm -hmm. for a crew to thrive. In fact, it's healthy for some crew members to maintain enough distance so as to provide more objective peer coaching. So we tell women, if you feel like you don't click with your crew, please remember that you weren't matched for friendship. You were matched for cruciate. Um, Thank you for this distinction. It's so helpful. Is cruise ship like mentorship? What is cruise ship exactly? Yeah. So cruise ship is, you know, this process um, and this relationship in which you're responsible. You all care about each other, but you're not invested in your decision-making. That's part of the freedom, you know, of the crew. Um, you know, you might have a woman who wants to, you know, get a promotion that's going to take her to another city. Your partner may think it's a great idea, but may not want to move to another city where they might need to get another job. Your kid may not want to have to go to another school. Your bestie may not want the friendship jeopardized by a move like that. Your coworker may be vying for the same job. Um, you know, pe- other people in our lives, including our friends, have a vested interest in our decisions and in who we become. Your crew doesn't. Um, And so they're able to really focus on your highest and best use, really help you to achieve clarity. And I will say, because it's very Tiffany-like to do this, you don't have to be a (laughs) member of my crew, of the crew, in order to get that. I can tell you, if you, because there's lots of squads, posses, girl tribes. Um, I'm actually in a group called the Bad Mamma Jammas. Like, seriously, that's, (laughs) you know. The the Bad Mamma Jammas. But if you want to know whether or not you have a crew, in other words, a group of people who are going to give you the objectivity and accountability to really slay your goals, there are three things for you to basically look for to determine, do I even have a crew? Because you might be in a group and think you have a crew, but you don't. Um, The first is, is your crew objective? 
Um, and that speaks to what I was just talking about before. Basically, mm. if I ask yourself, if I make a decision that's the opposite of what I'm being advised, do I, do I feel that I've let my crew down or hurt their feelings? And if the answer is yes, your girl group is probably more friendship than mm. the second thing to look for is, is your crew diverse? Um, mm-hmm. and one of the ways to kind of gauge that is to think about how the crew was curated. Like if it was thoughtfully curated by someone who values difference, and it could have been that like one person, you know, knew people and said, Hey, let's all get together. Chances are high. It's a richly textured community, but if it was an accidental group, like, Oh, we all went to school together and now we call one another, our crew, um, diversity doesn't have usually happen by accident. Uh, most of the time we end up with people who are very much like ourselves. So think about that. And then also, is your crew accountable? That's the third thing to look Mm -hmm. for. A well-functioning crew has some mechanism for holding each member accountable to her ambition on a regular basis. So there's an understanding that at least one intention of this group is to advance everyone's personal and or professional journey. Maybe you get together Mm -hmm. for dinner or drinks once a month to check in on one Mm -hmm. another. Maybe your group hosts an annual retreat where you each share an update on what's happened that year. Maybe you keep one another motivated via a messaging app. Whatever the cadence or the engagement platform, everyone in that group usually has a sense of what the other members are working on. So if you'd like to know if your crew is accountable enough, ask yourself, in anticipation of your group's next gathering, do you feel any pressure to have completed an action or made progress on one of your goals? If the answer is yes, like the sky's the limit on what they'll probably help you to achieve. But if you're just excited to see them because you're just going to have drinks together, then that's an amazing group that affirms you. And, but that's probably not a crew and effective. It's crew, not the same. Yeah, it's they're An effective crew pushes you out of your comfort zone pretty much on a consistent basis. I have to give a testimonial to the power of this, Whitney. Yes. Let me pe- hear this. And people who are listening and you, Tiffany, I know, can I tell about the first time you assembled a crew? Yes. Tiffany, yes. can I tell this story? Yes, of course. Okay. I remember mm-hmm. I was in Sag Harbor, I was in bed, and I got a text, and it was from my good girlfriend, Tiffany, and my favorite, one of my favorite thought leaders in the world. And she said to me in this text, I had a vision last night, I need to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, interesting. And so we spoke, right, Tiff? And mm-hmm. Tiffany said, I have this vision of bringing a group of women together give me some dates. It was kind of mysterious. And I knew that if this was Tiffany's idea, it was going to be very good. And I freaking wanted to be along for the ride. And I was honored. So I said, count me in. Okay. So we show up uh, on a designated night. Tiffany has brought us to a lovely restaurant, to a private room in the restaurant. And she introduces me to some women who have been really important in my life ever since. It was so predictive. It, can I can I name the names, yeah, Tiffany? Yeah, yeah. So of course it was Tiffany curating the event where I met Latham Thomas, also known as Mama Glow, the doula. The, yeah, the doula, the pleasure educator, the activist uh, in the space of the Black maternal health crisis. Carmen Rita Wong who is a ball of fire and energy and accomplishment. She's 
a novelist. Um, she was a financial correspondent and she's an activist and she's um, very involved with Planned Parenthood. Angelina, Angel, Anjali Kumar was there. I think that you had intended Tiffany to invite Reshma um, Sanjani, but she couldn't be there. So then I met Anjali Kumar, who I had never met before. And um, she is also an, an incredible author, activist, former lawyer uh, for places like Google, and visionary, really. And I have to tell you, Tiffany, so we sat there and we helped, we listened to Tiffany's vision that she wanted to do something and that she wanted to create community. And we sat and we talked with her that evening. And mostly what we did was we got to know each other and each other's stories. Tiffany, I have to tell you, when my book comes out, when an article comes that that I've written is published, um, or, or when I am at a crossroads and I need to make a decision, don't you know the magic of Tiffany Dufu is I think of that room of women and I turn to them and I have never not had support from them ever, ever since Tiffany, that is the magic of what you do. Oh, thank you. And it has, it, it has, I never would have met any of those women and each one of them has transformed my life personally and professionally. They've become part of my life. Um, but they have lifted me up. They have supported my work. I have supported their work. There's no better feeling. Now, luckily these turned into friendships as well, but I just want to testify to the power of having a crew and my faith, Tiffany, that you know how to help women find their crew and curate a great one for them because you sure did it for me. How do women I want to talk about other things, but I want us to touch on how women actually can find the crew through you, Tiffany. What do they do? Where do they go? How much does it cost? Well, it's easy to find us. We're online at thecrew.com. Uh, it's C-R-U, uh, thecrew.com. So they can they can absolutely find us there and they can learn more about us and apply. Um, we use a subscription membership model. So an annual membership in the crew is $499. Uh, our members really value that we're introducing them to a group of people who um, are invested uh, it's, it's, it's reasonable. Think of it as $42, you know, a month. It's a, you know, a gym membership. Um, that's something Mm -hmm. that, you know, you do to invest in yourself and in your potential and really helping you to actualize your personal and professional goals. So you can find us at thecrew.com. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. I've I've just been checking out the, the website a bit more into it. Cause I think this is so helpful for so many people. And that price point is, is, great because I mean, I mean not only do you have like a community of people that you have the support system of but also you're working towards some of your biggest goals and like can, and that's priceless to me I think so too the price point I think is is so so worth it okay so Whitney I know a few things about Tiffany that you might not know and I, <laughs> Tiffany I'm let's sorry let's pull the beans a little bit Tiffany you talked about being a preacher's daughter yes Can you, how did growing up in the black church in your community, being the daughter of a preacher, I just want to know, and I want you to tell people how that 
formed your vision of leadership and turned you into a leader? Yes. Um, in some ways it, um, was, I, it wasn't just, um, I wasn't just any preacher's daughter. I actually grew up in a church that had a doctrine, um, that I learned, um, when I was young, I didn't know, um, from the beginning, but that I learned uh, during kind of a pivotal moment uh, in my life, um, really what was sexist. I was trying to figure out a, a nice way of saying it. Um, but it really <laughs> Just say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, but it just really was. Um, I was asked by a new Sunday school teacher who I don't think knew, I don't think realized I was the preacher's daughter um, for, uh, she asked at the end of our Sunday school class for someone to pray. And I'm, I'm, uh, I pray very well. So <laughs> I, I was probably, I can there, attest to that. In the fourth, I was probably in the fourth grade at the time. And so I said, everybody bow your heads. And I led my Sunday school class in prayer. Uh, and I felt like I did a, a really good job and I felt uh, happy about that. Well, as everyone, would, all, all the little kids were filing out of the class, my Sunday school teacher, this new person pulled me aside to explain to me that I shouldn't have done that. Um, that there were boys in the class and basically that boys are the leaders and that, you know, when she basically, when she called for someone to pray, she meant a boy. She didn't mean me. Um, mm, now wow. people hear that and they think, oh my God, like that's mm. terrible. But Literally, that actually was the doctrine of our church, that um, women could not preach from the pulpit. And, and so either way, I was very upset about this, um, especially as a fourth grade girl. I, I was like, those knuckleheads who don't get good grades and don't even <laughs> sit still in the pews like they're supposed to be, you know, the leaders, I was very, very upset about this. And I imagine like my first, you know, flames of feminism probably rose <laughs> in my belly in that moment. In fourth grade. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, and I remember running into the bathroom and running into Sister Williams, who saw that I was crying and that I was very upset. And I told uh -huh. her, you know, what happened. Um, you know, it didn't make sense to me. And she consoled me by asking me if I thought in heaven, you know, there would be boys and there would be girls. And I said, you know, and we talked about how, no, you know, in heaven, there's going to be souls. And I remember saying something to her about how I, I think that we should try to create heaven on earth, you know, where it's uh. not, there's not boys and girls, there's, there's just souls. Um, and we don't, we don't divide ourselves. Uh, I don't know, maybe that's what I'm, <laughs> um, what I'm trying to do right now, but that definitely informed. But the other thing that I think really informed my work is if you, if you really pushed me to say, well, what are you, you know, I'm not an attorney. Um, you know, I'm not at my core. I don't feel a founder, even at my core, though, I'm an author. I wouldn't say that I'm a writer. If you, if you pushed me, I would say I'm a minister. I would say that I'm an evangelist and that feminism is my ministry. Uh, and that it, it's, I feel that it's a calling. I feel that, you know, it's a mission. So that background absolutely informs my work and, you know, listening to my father, not just on Sunday morning in the pulpit, but experiencing his service, um, you know, throughout the week and in my mom's service as well, um, really instilled in me the value of contributing to a community more than you take from a community. And I certainly feel that I'm here not just for my nuclear family, but for my larger community uh, and, and for the world and whatever sacrifices I feel that I need to make in order to, you know, realize that responsibility. I, I absolutely do feel that I should do that. Wow. That Sunday school teacher was part of setting you on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you to her. 
God bless her. Right? God bless her for saying that to exactly the wrong person. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because it worked out so well for everybody else. It really did. You know, Tiffany, you talk a lot about your mission and you talk a lot, unlike a lot of women I know, you talk a lot about service. Um, you and Latham kind of put the word service in my mind and in my ear in ways that I hadn't really thought about it before. And I'm wondering in this moment when we're, you know, really confronting the ugliness of racism in the United States, and it feels like we're really pushing so hard for a change. Um, So many activists are coming together and so many citizens who have had enough. Can you tell us where you're putting your energies, is there a particular um, institution that you're donating to or that's a favorite of yours? Um, Or do you have words for people who want to be allies and want to be involved? Absolutely. I think the first thing all of us must do is feel um, before we do, before we act. I know there's a lot of calls to act. Um, Maya Angelou once said that people don't remember what you did. People don't remember what you said. People only remember how you made them feel. So mm. I think the first step is just stopping and checking in with your emotions. Um, once you've checked in with your emotions, I think that each one of us then needs to analyze what is our point of power and influence that we need to leverage right now in order to exercise our highest and best use to make a difference. I am a Black person who has felt the sting of racial injustice. I am you know, a cis woman who has experienced sexism, but I'm also straight. You know, I am also able-bodied. I am also middle-class. I also am one of the few Black female founders who's ever raised a million dollars or more for their venture And it's in part because I'm very well connected. So there are aspects of my identity in which I need to leverage that in order to move us forward. So I am, in addition to taking walks in the park and and clearing my head, I'm donating. I've spent most of my money with the Minnesota Freedom Fund. I, I, I encourage everyone to donate there. I'm focused on amplifying the work of our members in the crew uh, and whatever they're doing and supporting them because there's a lot of destruction that's happening and a lot of eroding of things in our nation. I want to be a builder. Uh, and so I, I'm focused on building the crew because I think that that's going to make an impact down the road. I think that, you know, if you're a publisher, think about who's you know on your list. If you are a hiring manager, think about, you know, who you're bringing on board. I think each one of us needs to analyze what is our point of power and influence. If you are a podcaster, who are you inviting as a guest on your show, right? Um, and really doing that. If you are someone who right now needs to put your body where your beliefs are, I respect that too. And I stand with the protesters, you know, that are doing that. Um, But I think all of us right now, it would not serve me to be in the streets because then there wouldn't be the crew. So figure out what you need to do and execute the hell out of it. Tiffany, thank you so much. I know that we have to let you go, but your mandate to keep building, um, I feel like, that speaks to so many people in so many different ways. Um, and it's so true to what you have been doing for decades now. I just wanted to mention your book, 
dropped the ball. I want to tell people that even though we didn't get a chance to talk about it, uh, maybe you'll be on again to talk about that. And Whitney, you are going to love Drop the Ball, which seems like um, a book about how to make your home life easier, but is really like a revolutionary primer about relationships and organization and meeting your goals. So please check out Tiffany's book, Drop the Ball. Um, Check out the crew because every woman needs one. And Tiffany, can you please tell our listeners how and where they can find you on social media? Yes. I'm on Twitter, basically everywhere. I'm at T-D-U-F-U, at T-D-U-F-U. And you can even reach out to me personally on my email. I'm Tiffany at thecrew.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Tiffany. And you have to hop off, but we send you a lot of love and we can't wait for our listeners to follow you and check you out. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Tiffany. Bye. Bye, Bye. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, it would help us a lot if you would leave a review. Yeah. Leave a review, subscribe. We want to know how you guys felt about the episode. It really helps us out a lot to continue the success of the podcast and keep spreading our message.